We are about to see how things really get real. We're in Acts chapter 7 today, and we left Stephen in a cliffhanger situation. So today we get to see how he responds to the false charges and accusations that he was faced with. Welcome, I'm Michelle Berkey, and this is Praying Scripture, a weekday broadcast where we use God's own words to honor Him and to talk to Him about the things going on in our life and in our world. Join me as we dive into episode 108 today, and we pray through Acts chapter 7. But before we do that, we're going to open with a bit of worship. Today we have Acts 7 verses 2 and 3 for worship, and this is kind of an unusual scripture to use for worship, but we're going to go with it. It says, Brothers and fathers, he replied, listen, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he settled in Haran, and he said to him, leave your country and relatives and come to the land that I will show you. Now, you'll get some more context for this when we move to praying through the whole chapter, but Let's worship God for being the God of our future, God who knows the plans that he has for us. So let's pray. Father, I'm grateful for the opportunity to be here and grateful for these words that feel like this step into a big future. You promised Abraham so much, but you told him not a lot of details when you asked him to leave his country and relatives and go to the land you would show him. So maybe you're asking us to step into something that feels unknown, but we can do that because we know you. And so I honor you and worship you today for the God who knows our future, who is good and wants good for us, good for our souls, more than you want good for our physical bodies, but you want good for us in general. All right, that's a whole rabbit trail I don't want to go down today because we've got a lot of verses today. So let me refocus myself. <laughs> I honor you today for being the God of my future. You know exactly what you have in store for me. You know exactly the plans that you want to fulfill, bring to fruition in my life. You know the work that you have for me, and you know exactly what you want me to do and accomplish in this world. You know who you want me to love. So I ask you to make all that stuff happen. Guide me through that process. Lead me into those those places. Like Abraham, I'm choosing to go. But I honor you as the reason I can do that. You are the God who knows. You're the God who's in charge. You're the God who has the power to fulfill all those things. And you are good. So I honor you for that today, worship you for that today, and ask you that as we go on, I feel scattered today because I jumped from marketer Michelle to praying scripture Michelle, and that was a hard shift for me today. So I ask that you would just guide this time, help me focus, help me do exactly what you want me to do in this time. Let This is yours. And so bring the words to mind, bring the prayers to mind that I need to pray today, that, that the power that you want released in our worlds today. I know that you are present with us, and I recognize your presence here today, and I am so grateful for this opportunity. So guide this time in the way you want it to unfold in your name. Amen. We're reading and praying through Acts chapter 7 today. This is a long chapter, way longer than Monday's passage was, and it's directly related to that last episode. So if you want to go back and review that, if you're a podcast listener, 
uh, chapter six, the previous episode kind of leads into this. We were introduced to Stephen. We found out that he was full of wisdom, full of faith, full of grace, and full of power. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He was performing signs and wonders, and that ruffled some feathers. People got jealous, and they brought him before the Sanhedrin. That was the civil and religious authorities. He was facing false accusations from lying witnesses, and that's where we pick up the story today. I am going to read the whole thing. It's a long passage, and then we're going to pray at the end of this. So here we go. Stephen is standing in front of the Sanhedrin. They've just heard all of these charges. They've called him a blasphemer, regularly speaking against the church and against the customs that Moses had handled down. And now this is the passage. Are these things true? The high priest asked. Brothers and fathers, he replied, listen, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he settled in Haran and said to him, leave your country and relatives and come to the land that I will show you. Then he left the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. From there, after his father died, God had him move to this land in which you are now living. He didn't give him an inheritance in it, not even a foot of ground, but he promised to give it to him as a possession and to his descendants after him, even though he was childless. God spoke in this way. His descendants would be strangers in a foreign country and they would enslave and oppress them for 400 years. I will judge the nation that they will serve as slaves, God said. After this, they will come out and they will worship me in this place. And so he gave Abraham the covenant of circumcision. After this, he fathered Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day. Isaac became the father of Jacob and Jacob became the father of the 12 patriarchs. The patriarchs became jealous of Joseph and sold him into Egypt, but God was with him and rescued him out of all of his troubles. He gave him favor and wisdom in the sight of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who appointed him ruler over Egypt and over his whole household. Now a famine and great suffering came over all of Egypt and Canaan, and our ancestors could find no food. And when Jacob heard there was grain in Egypt, he sent our ancestors there the first time. The second time, Joseph revealed himself to his brothers, and Joseph's family became known to Pharaoh. Joseph invited his father Jacob and all his relatives, 75 people in all, and Jacob went down to Egypt. He and our ancestors died there. They were carried back to Shechem and were placed in the tomb that Abraham had bought for a sum of silver from the sons of Hamor in Shechem. As the time was approaching to fulfill the promise that God had made to Abraham, the people flourished and multiplied in Egypt until a different king, who did not know Joseph, ruled over Egypt. And he dealt deceitfully with our race and oppressed our ancestors by making them abandon their infants outside so that they wouldn't survive. At this time, Moses was born and he was beautiful in God's sight. He was cared for in his father's home for three months. And when he was put outside, Pharaoh's daughter adopted and raised him as her own son. So Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in his speech and actions. When he was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. When he saw one of them being mistreated, he came to his rescue and avenged the oppressed man by striking down the Egyptian. He assumed his people would understand that God would give them deliverance through him, but they did not understand. The next day he showed up while they were fighting, tried to reconcile them peacefully, saying, Men, you are brothers. Why are you mistreating each other? 
But the one who was mistreating his neighbor pushed Moses aside, saying, Who appointed you as a ruler and judge over us? Are you going to kill me like you killed the Egyptian yesterday? When he heard this, Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian, where he became the father of two sons. After 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai, in the flame of a burning bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight. As he was approaching to look at it, the voice of the Lord came, I am the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. Moses began to tremble and did not dare to look. The Lord said to him, Take off the sandals from your feet, because the place where you are standing is holy ground. I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groaning, and I have come down to set them free. And now come, I will send you to Egypt. This Moses, whom they rejected when they said, Who appointed you a ruler and a judge? This one God sent as a ruler and a deliverer through the angel who appeared to him in the bush. This man led them out, performed wonders and signs in the land of Egypt at the Red Sea and the wilderness for 40 years. This is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers. He is the one who was in the assembly in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our ancestors. He received living oracles to give to us. Our ancestors were unwilling to obey him. Instead, they pushed him aside and in their hearts turned back to Egypt. They told Aaron, make us gods who will go before us. As for this Moses who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. They even made a calf in those days, offered sacrifice to the idol, and were celebrating what their hands had made. God turned away and gave them up to worship the stars of heaven, as it is written in the book of the prophets. House of Israel, did you bring me offerings and sacrifices for 40 years in the wilderness? You took up the tent of Moloch and the star of your god Raphan the images that you made to worship, so I will send you into exile beyond Babylon. Our ancestors had the tabernacle of the testimony in the wilderness, just as he who spoke to Moses commanded him to make it according to the pattern he had seen. Our ancestors in turn received it, and with Joshua brought it in when they dispossessed the nations that God drove out before them until the days of David. He found favor in God's sight and asked that he might provide a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. It was Solomon, rather, who built him a house, but the Most High does not dwell in sanctuaries made with hands. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne and the earth my footstool. What sort of house will you build for me, says the Lord, or what will be my resting place? Did not my hand make all of these things? You stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you are always resisting the Holy Spirit. As your ancestors did, you do also. Which of the prophets did your ancestors not persecute? They even killed those who foretold the coming of the righteous one, whose betrayers and murderers you have now become. You received the law under the direction of angels and yet have not kept it. When they heard these things, the Sanhedrin, they were enraged, gnashed their teeth at him. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven. He saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. They yelled at the top of their voices, covered their ears, and together rushed against him. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses laid their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, Receive my spirit. He knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, 
Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And after saying this, he fell asleep, which is another way to say he died. That is a lot of words and is a long scripture to read at one sitting and especially to pray for. So the prayer will be a little less, maybe, uh, I don't know, a little less specific than normal. But there were a couple of things I want to pull out and pray. So let's just go to it. Father, we have this history lesson here, this overall perspective of the ancestors of Israel. We see Moses and the patriarchs and we see how all of them turn from you. A stiff-necked people who are constantly resisting the Holy Spirit. We have all these examples in Scripture, and probably our own life is the best example. There are some ways that we are a stiff-necked people. There are many ways in which we resist your work, Spirit. We ask for your forgiveness for that. When I think about where I would have stood in that time. The Sanhedrin thought that they were zealously guarding your name. They thought they were in the right. They thought they were protecting your honor. And yet, they are a stiff-necked people who are constantly resisting the Holy Spirit. Keep us from that path. Many times in public, whether we are on social media, whether we are in our, at our dinner table or at a church or in a coffee shop, wherever we are, when we are speaking, and when we think that we are defending your honor, I pray that we would not be a stiff-necked people that we're constantly resisting the Holy Spirit. I don't want to be on the wrong side of that equation. So make me very sensitive to your voice. Help me understand and follow you far more than I seek to understand and follow men. Let me be more concerned with how you feel about me than how man feels about me. Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit when he gave this speech, this sermon. Pray that when I would speak, that I would also be doing so in the power of your Spirit. Father, this is a dramatic chapter. We have our first martyr, and we have a man who was doing signs and wonders and responsible for the oversight of food distribution. And he was serving in his community. He was doing signs and wonders in the larger community. He was engaging people with a conversation about you because that's who got upset with him to begin with. I pray that we would do these things. I pray that this would be our life as well, that we would be full of the Holy Spirit, that our speech would be in your power, that we would be serving our community in every way that you ask us, and that we would be performing signs and wonders. Now, I say that in air quotes for those of you on the podcast. I pray that the work that you would have, the power that you want to unleash in our lives would be unleashed, that we would submit to it, seek it out, and exercise it. Whatever those signs and wonders might be as a way of saying our work, the way that we love the people around us, let us be empowered by your Spirit. Let us unleash that power in the world around us, because nothing can stop the love of God. Pray that you would remind us of that every single day, that we absolutely can't do this without you. When I look at Stephen's death, I think, how could he have possibly, (laughs) how could he stand in front of those false accusations and given the speech that he gave, say the things that he said, be gracious unto death, only through the power of your spirit. There are a lot of things that we walk through in our life that we can only do in the power of the Spirit. Whether they're that dramatic or difficult or not, we still can only do them in your power. And so I pray that we would be ever more hungry 
to be in that position, ever more hungry for your presence, ever more hungry for a deeper relationship. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you're watching on the Facebook page and you found this helpful, we'll be back again on Monday with the next chapter of Acts. And so I would love it if you would come back on Monday and bring a friend who would love to pray with us as well. If you're a podcast listener, subscribing to the show and sharing it with a friend allows more people to be aware of the show so that we can join together with more and more voices in prayer. It's brought to you by Grace in the Gravel Road, helping Christian women grow a God-first life and business. And my heart is that as you and I pray together, that we will grow in our prayer lives, that God will use this time to direct your heart and mine. But most of all, I pray that you will fall deeper in love with a God who gave us these words. Amen. Amen.